Well, good morning, Watermark family. Just a second ago when I was here with Greg and the leaders from the Frisco campus, I failed to say to you, happy Memorial Day weekend. And it is exactly that. And I just want to very quickly tell you that too many times this is a weekend that we treat like it's a three-day weekend where we can get together with friends and grill in the backyard or go to a lake or find some extra time to relax. And I just want to say that we have many members of Watermark that are Gold Star families that have lost loved ones um, in service for our country and the freedoms that we hold so dear. Um, we have members of Watermark who walk with a limp or who have been um, had their physical body permanently compromised because of the way they've sought to um, serve us in providing for our freedoms. And we have people that are separated from one another right now because they're part of Living for us. But Memorial Day is specifically a day that we don't just remember our veterans, we remember those who gave their life for us. And so we are grateful to our humble brothers and sisters who have given their life for us in service of our country. I, uh, even as we pause to remember them, every week we should live to remember Christ. And every week we should live in such a way that um, we look like our faithful brothers and sisters who have given our life for our country, we should be people who are giving our lives every week in selflessness and self-denial and self-death to live for the king who gave his life for us. This is the good news. We have a sovereign king and leader who loved us with the greatest love that a man could have, that he would give his life for us. And I wanna remind any guest who's here and watching that we don't believe that we need to do anything to earn God's love. We gather to remember the love of Christ. When we commune together over bread that we break and provision that we drink, we remember that his body was broken for us and his blood was shed, that God could, in his justice, institute a new way of dealing with men, that we no longer are under the law and needing to fulfill the requirements of the law by faith in order to be saved by grace through faith, but the final sacrifice has been made through the provision of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. And so the eternal weight of our sin has been met by eternally perfect sacrifice to appease an eternally perfect God. We do everything to remember Jesus and that ought to be uh, something that people can look at us and they're as thankful for us in the way that we take up our cross and follow him as we are for men and women who have died to give our nation freedom. And Christ has made us free for something uh, even better than being good citizens of America, but to be the best citizens on earth because we are strangers and aliens on earth and we don't operate the way other earthlings do because we are citizens of another kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And what we wanna do this week and felt like we needed to do this week because we are inching toward racing towards increasingly getting ready to have a chance to gather in a way that's going to be a source of maybe um, confusion for some, uh, a problem for some, and a time of great rejoicing for others. So when I prayed for Greg, one of the things that I prayed for him is right out of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, which says, give attention to the public reading of scriptures and to exhortation and to teaching. And um, what I want to do today is something that our body needs, the church of Jesus Christ needs. And that is to see what God's word would have for us 
in such a time as this. So we are going to read Romans 12, 13, and 14, and I want to make some brief comments throughout that I think are instructive to us as we begin to consider how we should assemble together. This is a passage that talks about how to respond to the love of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. That is Romans 1 through 11 is the amazing gift of salvation through Christ. And chapter 12 starts a section which says, therefore, in light of the Jesus who died for you that you remember, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you now have the ability through the freedom that he has provided for you to present your bodies the way you live and conduct yourself as a living and holy sacrifice, which is your, you know, your spiritual service of worship, or it is the only right way to respond to a Jesus and a God that died for you is to say, I want to live for you. And we don't want to be like the rest of the world. We're, we're not going to be conformed to the world, but we will be changed and transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's why we're going to read Romans 12, 13, and 14 so that we can prove out, experience, be living examples of the um, will of God. And you're gonna see that it is the good and the acceptable and even the perfect way for us to live as we are moving into increasingly a world where there is a fault line. So all of us early on were trying to figure out what is the truth about COVID-19? And we're all victims of what scientists and epidemiologists and, and experts tell us about this awful disease. And I think pretty collectively, we said, we don't know. And so wisdom and caution uh, would have us not just charge ahead. I mean, the scripture says that, right? That, that uh, the prudent see evil or danger and they are a little bit more careful, but the naive proceed and they inherit all the folly that goes with acting without wisdom. I think early on, there was, as um, information was presented a certain way, a lot of people that were like, okay, let's just at least take a pause and come back. And maybe some people from the very beginning didn't think that we should uh, shelter completely in place or shut down world economies. But by and large, you saw the world say, all right, we think this is maybe the right first step. We look back at the Spanish flu and other pandemics. And we used all the information we had and we did what we thought was right. But there's a fault line now. And America is really split. And there are folks like, it's about time we stop sheltering in place and we charge ahead. And others are like, I'm not really ready to charge ahead. I'm a little bit burdened and I'm uh, still concerned about whether we should gather. This is true, I know, in marriages. And I know it's true in community groups. And my goodness, it's certainly true of the 20 some odd thousand people that make this a place where they either follow Jesus radically and as a part of the membership of the church or who are around Watermark on a regular basis in terms of its ministries and our leadership. So what's the right solution for us? Some people, when they hear um, what I'm about to read in Romans 13, say, well, we should do whatever the government tells us. Some people are saying, no, the government's overreaching and, and burdensome. And, and who are they to say that this business is essential and that business is not essential? We have a right, according to our constitution, it says, to uh, freely exercise our religion and to peacefully assemble and to 
even under our constitution to appropriately at times speak out to and resist laws that are not consistent with that constitution. But we are not just citizens of America, we're citizens of Christ and we remember him in all that we do. And so what I wanna do is take you where I took our staff this week because as our staff has begun to meet now um, and gather and get back to work, not isolated in different places, but increasingly together, this is a passage I spent some time um, with them and especially with folks who are uh, a little less likely maybe to step out into the full throttle, getting back after it of today. And so I wanna spend some time with you. And I think, and I pray, this will be helpful to you in your marriages, in your friendships, and as we begin to gather. Um, Our government, as we'll read in Romans 13, has made recommendations. Some people think if the government recommends it, we should do it, and that's the end of it. And our own government has said to us, they're recommendations, it's not a law, it's not a requirement. But again, I wanna tell you, what do we do if one member of a family wants to follow the recommendation and another member of the family doesn't? Or what do we do if we listen to the scientists or certain scientists who testify? Because what's really happening right now is there is a case being educated before all of us. And each side is bringing forth expert witnesses. That's what happens in a trial where there are certain people that are brought forth to testify. This is why you need to prosecute COVID by sheltering in place some more and not opening businesses and and not having large assemblies. And these are people that are saying, this is why we shouldn't have ever completely sheltered in place. And certainly, even if that made sense then, it's not now. We have more data. How then should we live? Not as citizens of earth, with this pandemic, but as citizens of heaven on earth where there is a pandemic. Well, we shouldn't be like the world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind and the way we love one another in our differences should be good and acceptable and perfect, not just to us, but an observable way to the world. There's more force here. Let's read Romans 12, three through 10 together, and I'll make a few quick comments and then we'll charge ahead even more. And I think you're going to see a lot of revelation that will be helpful to you. So Romans 12, verse three says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and we're individual members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that's given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, or he who gives with liberality and great generosity, he who leads with diligence or with zeal is what maybe your Bible might say. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 
give preference to one another in honor. Now let me just talk about a few things here that I think are going to help you and help us as we begin to think through how we might gather. And I'm so glad so many of you are already doing the things that I think we're going to look at and study and learn uh, here in just a moment. But I just, uh, I will say that there's going to be even a bigger test when we decide to go, hey, we're going to open up 7540 LBJ. Let's just be honest. If we're a church of 20, I think we have a lot less challenges. There over, over 80 plus percent of the churches in America have less than 200 people who attend that particular church. Our staff is bigger than that. And I know the challenges that we've had as a staff and as we've tried to apply this passage to one another as we begin to gather together, and that is nothing but mature believers. Uh, the the 20,000 that I say are re a regular part of Watermark, it's probably closer to 25, we think. Um, it's not just, that, that 25,000 doesn't represent the believers at Watermark, and it certainly doesn't represent all the mature believers. There's still a lot of folks that are just new to the faith or have just embraced the faith. There's many others that are, that are on their way to trusting in Christ. And some who will go out from us having been here for a while because they're not of us. They're not even yet believers and may choose not to follow Christ with us. And we'll continue to reach out to them and love them. And we're so glad that there are some regular attenders that are here that we pray that God will give them the measure of faith that will lead to them being regular believers, which are members of a body using their gifts, practicing the one another's in a, in a known way, devoting daily to Jesus, counseling biblically and engaging missionally with us. So we call you to that if you're not already doing it, especially if you claim Christ. That's normal for a believer. But a couple of quick observations here. In verse three of Romans 12, um, it, it said specifically that we should be individuals who don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. So I have a word for those of us who have a tendency to believe that we are the best at reading things, assessing things, and um, coming up with a conclusive source of direction for everybody. Romans 12, three says, be careful. God might have even given you a measure of faith that allows you to be a little less tepid or a little more bold but that doesn't mean that you ought to be in any way insensitive to others that need to be encouraged and helped. It also means that you ought to be really careful before you are stating with absolute certainty certain things. I have made that mistake in my life many times. And I wanna make sure that we don't make that mistake right here. We don't wanna assume that the first article we read is true. We don't want to assume that I've read every article and I've distilled it down and I know what everybody ought to do. You might be right, but just be careful to not think more highly of yourself and your ability to read, not just broadly, but to read well and to make a decision right now that is absolute. Now, I will tell you, one of the awful jobs of leaders is to make a decision. And I want to insert right here that one of the things that is very, very true is that as we show preference to one another in honor, we wanna let people that are ready and willing to begin to gather, to gather. Let people that are willing to walk outside without mask, to walk outside with one another without mask. Let people that don't feel a need to be 
um, anchor down or to greet each other from a distance to, to begin to warmly greet one another again and not look at them and think they're being irresponsible. It makes sense that when we gather, we give people who want to gather the freedom to gather if it's not violating things we'll read in just a moment in Romans 13. And if we can, we can create spaces for folks who don't want to gather in that exact same way to gather in those ways. And we have all kinds of challenges before us. Let me just say this. We're one body. What we don't want to do is say, hey, folks who want to socially distance, you have to come this time. And folks who don't want to socially distance, you come this time. Because that's just not ultimately um, how a body acts. So look, we're one body, but we're individually members of a whole. And I will tell you, in my body, um, I love my knee. I love my elbow. All right. Uh, I love my feet. And my knee and my elbow and my feet, they don't care much about sawdust. They'll wallow in it, play in it, run through it, do work that creates it. But I want to tell you something. I'm really grateful for my mouth and my eyes. They're part of my body, but they're individual parts. And I've got to be thoughtful about sawdust when it comes to my eyes and thoughtful about sawdust when it comes to my mouth and not just go, get over it, mouth. It doesn't bother us knees and our biceps and it doesn't bother our thighs. So why does it bother you? Because the eye is a more sensitive part of the body and I, I have a responsibility to it. Now, the eye shouldn't tell the knee everything it has to do, but the knee should be careful in what it imposes on the eye. There's instruction for us here. We are one body, yet individuals in that one body. Let me keep reading. Verse 11. It says this, we should not lag behind in diligence. We should be always fervent in spirit, always serving the Lord, not just my own preferences. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. How are you doing, church, in praying for one another? Instead of being disgusted at how people want to respond, are you praying for others and figuring out how you can love them in Jesus' name? We should contribute to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. There are some folks who won't want to gather the way that we do, and we got to be um, intentional about the way that we want to serve others in their particular circumstance. Here we go, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind. You're scared of cat. You're arrogant and brash. Are not words that should flow from the mouth of those who love our king. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible. As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. One of the things we have to acknowledge is when you get together with a large group of people, we can't make accommodations for everybody because by the time everybody got what they wanted, we couldn't maybe do anything. So if somebody says, unless everybody's individual needs and tastes are met, we can't live in peace, I would tell you that's not a correct interpretation of that particular text. Leaders have to lead and make decisions. 
and be as loving and gracious as they can in serving as many people as they can. But as we're beginning to move back into times of being open, I will tell you it makes sense to let those that are ready to move back to move back, even while we serve and love our brothers who maybe aren't. Let's keep reading. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, never take your own revenge. Beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine, I will pay, says the Lord, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. I'm not gonna teach that text this morning and what that means, but just know this, we're not to overcome evil with evil, but rather overcome evil with good. Now here's some verses that are applicable to our day and age. Chapter 13, verse one, every person is to be in subject, subjection to their governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. And I will tell you in our country, they're established by the people, for the people, and the government is of the people. There's not a proletariat, there's not an elite class of folks that, that um, have some birthright to rule over others. In our country, we say, no, we want these men, these women to make our laws. And, uh, and, and I think as believers, it's appropriate that we want people that are ruled by the love of God and by the morality of God. And people would say, well, you, are you saying, Todd, that we should legislate morality? I am saying that all laws are moral judgments. And so absolutely, we should legislate morality. And the question is, whose morality are we gonna legislate? I'm gonna vote for a benevolent, kind, sovereign king's laws. That's who I think um, I wanna follow. And so I'm always most curious about who rules my ruler. And when people say, hey, I don't mind what you believe, I just don't want your beliefs to inform what you do, I'm like, that's what beliefs do. And it's why it matters what the faith is and the beliefs are and who the gods are of those that we put in positions of leadership. One of the ways that God judges people is to let them have what they want. And if people want what they want and they elect rulers who will do what they want, then you're gonna get what you get when you trust in men and not the blessing that comes when you trust in men and women who follow Jesus. We're seeing that right now, but watch. Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God and they have opposed and, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now, again, resisting authority, um, I don't believe is done when you take advantage of what our authority said is a constitutionally um, sound reason to stand against certain behaviors that government is doing that you should rightly oppose. Aren't we thankful for people during the civil rights movements who peacefully assembled and protested unjust laws? I am. The way they do it matters. Our, our government gave them a right to do it. And eventually it got us back more towards right. Verse three, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Well, then do what is good and you will have praise from the same. That's our charge, do what is good. For it is a minister, meaning appropriate authorities are actually... Um, Sometimes governments that are evil are, are, are used by God to accomplish his purposes to show people you don't want leaders that are evil. So get rid of them. Government, good or bad, is a minister of God. It should be a minister for good. 
But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For government is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. And again, evil governments call good evil and evil good. And they will bring wrath on those who do good if they're evil. See the end of your Bible. Before Jesus returns, there will be a world ruler who will call evil good and good evil. And that will not be a pretty day. So therefore, it's necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, the Bible says you should not commit adultery, you don't murder, you don't steal, you don't covet. And if there's any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you remember your king. This is what Jesus says. Love as I have loved. By this men will know you're my disciples. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Their love is the fulfillment of the law. Someone might say, you're doing wrong to me if when we're together, you make me live the way that you want. Now watch this. The person who wears the mask thinks the person who's not wearing the mask is doing wrong to them. And the person who's being made to wear a mask because that person wants you to wear a mask can feel like they're having wrong done to them. There's some teaching coming up that'll help you with this. Verse 11, do this, knowing the time that it is already that it is hour for you to awake from sleep. This basically, we've been in 1 Thessalonians and this text is ripped right out of 1 Thessalonians. See if it sounds familiar to you. Salvation is nearer to us than we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Now, what I want to do is read Romans 14 because um, we'll just close with this. And as I read Romans 14, I'm going to take away the phrase, eat meat, sacrifice to idols. And I'm going to put on, uh, put in there other words that I think are applicable to our day. One of the things you want to do when you read the Bible is not go, I am so glad Todd's saying that. I hope they're listening because the Bible isn't a weapon for you to make others listen. The Bible is here so that you might be transformed. I might be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can live according to what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's always a problem when I read the Bible, I go, I, I sure hope my wife read this today. I sure hope she does this today. And obviously, I want all of us to do what the Bible says. But for all of us to do what the Bible says, I've got to do what the Bible says. And we say here all the time, you want to change the world? Here's the way you do it. You draw a circle around yourself, you change everything inside the circle, and then you invite others in. Romans 14 is inviting us to um, love one another in this way. And then I'll tell you what I think might be some ways that we move ahead um, in the days ahead that might be helpful. Verse 14, uh, verse 1 of chapter 14. Accept the one who is weak in faith, 
but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has the faith that he may um, walk outside without social distancing or with wearing a mask. But the one who is not so sure would never go outside without a mask. The one who um, wears the, whatever they want is not to regard with contempt the one who's not ready to go outside without a mask. And the one who doesn't um, wear a mask or the one who does wear a mask is not to judge the one who goes outside without a mask. For God's accepted him too. People who are timid about COVID-19 still and people who believe we don't need to be and we shouldn't be are both redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are members of one body and yet individuals with different measures of faith, different sensitivities, but the same Savior. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master, he stands or falls and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above another and another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He observes a certain day, and now Paul moves from um, eating meat or eating vegetables only or eating meat sacrificed to idols or not eating meat sacrificed to idols to some people think you got to worship on Saturday because that's what I used to do when I was following the Old Testament law on the Sabbath. And some people think, no, I should not just uh, make certain Sabbath days um, the days I worship God. I think, in fact, the first day of the week is the right day to worship God and, and practice Sabbath because that's the day Christ was resurrected. Some would say Easter's a really special day and others would go, every day should be like Easter. And there's a little bit of truth in both. But watch. He who observes a day, observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord. He who gives thanks to God, he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself if we live for Christ, is what's implied there. And no one dies for himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. That's the point. When we die, we're going to be with the Lord. And as we live, it should be Christ. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Praise God. That's why we grieve, not as those who have no hope. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For as it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. If there are folks that want to meet together without masks, let them meet. If you are ready not to come out yet while people are gathering in that way and embracing and hugging one another, it's okay. It's okay. Therefore, let us not judge one another, but rather determine this. Don't be a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything is unclean, that person is unclean. For it's because of food, if because of food, because of a mask, because of, of, of you thinking that, hey, you've got a shelter in place. And listen, there are reasons that people are going to need to continue to be a little bit more cautious before we go back to warm embracing because they're caring for the elderly who are clearly more vulnerable to every disease, the normal flu 
And we've certainly seen it's true of their susceptibility to COVID-19, to pneumonia, and to all kinds of sicknesses. 25% of all natural deaths happen to um, people that are in you know, uh, care facilities. And there is all kinds of um, reasons that certain people, because of uh, vulnerability that their children have, or because they're a caregiver for one another, that they may not be ready to assemble yet. But those that aren't in those positions can maybe move back a little further, a little faster. We're about done. I know and I'm convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, verse 14 says, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it's clean, unclean. For it's because of food your, bro- if because of food your brother is hurt, you're no longer walking according to love. Don't destroy with your food him whom Christ died for. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. And what I would say is when I go to meet with people who are still a little reticent, and as I need to be with them, if I need to wear a mask for their sake, I'll put a mask on. But it's okay if others are like, I think we need to begin to open and operate without masks to let those people open and operate without masks. Watch. For the kingdom of God is not mask or not mask, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. I'm not gonna call you a person without faith if you're not ready to warmly gather and assemble. And there might be recommendations and others go, it's not reckless to not take a recommendation by a government that's acknowledging we're not really sure what's right, but we look at the world that we're living in and we observe through now months of study and all the data we have that, hey, it might be okay for me to do this while it might not yet be okay for you. Watch. Don't tear down the work of God for the sake of your preferences. He uses food here as an example. All things indeed are clean, but they who are evil for the man who eats and it gives offense. In other words, if it's gonna cause you a problem, it's okay. Don't do it. It's good not to eat meat or to drink wine or do anything which causes your brother to stumble. So when you're with other people who, don't, who want you to wear a mask, for their sake, wear a mask. But if others want to assemble freely, let them assemble freely. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And whatever is not from faith is from sin. And what should be from our Father is our desire to memorialize Him in the way we work through this season together. I just want to share with you what we have done here amongst our staff as we've begun to work together. And what has been determined from the beginning as an essential business is early on, we did what government mandated we should do, which is to shelter in place, except for the provision they made for us to come and provide services like this for you. But now, as we begin to gather 25% and 50%, and as they say, that's just a recommendation, and as we begin to meet more freely and not violate law, but maybe lean through and push through recommendations, we should let those that feel the freedom to eat and not 
eat all the vegetables, if you will, to use scriptural uh, allusions in Romans 14, to have to only eat vegetables, but to be free to eat some meat and to gather and to embrace and to be warm. There can be um, allowances made for them. That's going to make me uncomfortable, so I may want to just not come just yet. Uh, or maybe there be some places that uh, we can create where they could gather in a way, and even those of us who are meeting more freely would choose to put on masks to do that. But right now, as it is, we have to sit with a family unit with six feet between family unit and a row between each of that. It, we, we don't want to um, get to a spot where right now where that's not a recommendation, but if it was the law where we would think that it's time to take that on. But I close with this. Increasingly, there's going to be some folks that are going to be free to gather and to um, not feel like they need to be socially distanced or be restricted in the way that they can communicate and and, um, approach one another. It makes sense that those folks would go out first and meet first. And so we'll keep you posted. We're going to honor our governing authorities. We're going to honor our king and remember him in all things, show preference to one another, love all men, every way be devoted to one another, maintain peace, be gracious, celebrate certain people's freedoms, honor certain people's concerns, not think too highly of our own ability to figure it all out, but in subjection to one another in all things, seek the glory of Christ. Would you pray for us? as we navigate all those things, and we're praying for you as you love one another. So reread Romans 12 through 14, talk about it, and um, we look forward to worshiping Jesus with you as we remember him in all things. As we close today, we're going to pitch you a new music video that I think you'll enjoy, that you can share with friends. We're writing songs, singing songs, and may your song, may your life be a song to others. We're so grateful for those that gave their life that we might have these freedoms And we're so grateful that Christ died to set us free. I love you. Can't wait to be with you. And if I need to wear a mask when I'm with certain ones of you in certain places, I can't wait to show preference to you in that. But also thank you for letting some of us that are ready to be a little bit more free to practice those freedoms to the glory of Christ. Love you, Watermark. I'm glad you love Jesus. And if we can help you grow in your relationship with him, would you let us know? Let me pray for you, and then um, you have a great week of worship. Father, may our speech, our conduct, our love, our faith, and our purity be an example to not only all those who believe, but may people look at us and watch the way we show preference to one another in honor. Be a good and acceptable and even perfect way for men to live. We're going to need your help as we begin to provide opportunities for gathering about how to do that in a way that blesses your people and brings glory to your name. Would you direct our steps? Would you remind us to pray continually for one another? And will you help us, Lord, to only think highly of Christ and to seek to honor you in all things? Thank you for a chance to study your word, to give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Help us now to apply it to our lives in a way that will bring you glory and cause others to rejoice in your name. And we love Jesus and are thankful for him. This Memorial Day and every day, as we celebrate our resurrected King. In his name we pray, amen. Love you, Watermark. Have a great week of worship.